0: So, Patrick, thank you very, very much for agreeing to come on for what I think is our third session on oh, Shuan. Is. And um, you asked if we could focus on the Servant and Union, the Chapter 14 in Logic and Transcendence by Fritz Xiuan. And I think the format is going to be that I will invite you to give us a commentary on the chapter you can speak for 20, 25 minutes, um, and then we'll have a little bit of a discussion based on your commentary and on the content of the chapter. So over to you, Patrick.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Reza. <clears throat> yes, I, I I chose this chapter because I think it's a very very important chapter uh, in terms of um, understanding the uh, the relationship between the intellective perspective and the devotional religious perspective and the way way they relate. Um, Readers of Chouin remember that um, he draws a very clear distinction in his works, in several instances, between the, what Hindus would refer to as the bhaktic path, the path of devotion, or love, and the jnanic path, the path of knowledge, and in a certain way to be very to remain very elementary, um, the first path is characterized or could be symbolized rather by uh, number two, uh, whereas the path of knowledge would be symbolized by one. And in this chapter, um, we have, in a sense, a meditation on the relationship between the two, that is between the two and the one. And the title itself uh, announces that. The servant presupposes that there is a lord and therefore that there is a relationship between the two. Uh, union, by contrast, points in the direction of unity. Now, in fact, when we read the chapter, and particularly the, the latter part of the chapter, we realize that there is only not only two and one, but there are also, in a sense, two different kinds of two, or two perspectives or two, on two, let's say, rather. There is the two that is um, Um, how should I say, the two that is irreducible uh, and that is precisely the two of the relationship between the servant and the Lord. Of course, when we think of the servant and the Lord, we think particularly perhaps of Islam, because in Islam, mankind is characterized by um, uh, servanthood. Alastabir rabbikum, am I not your Lord, tells God. Uh, to his creature, to his human creature, so whereas God is the Lord. And of course we find also this polarity in other traditions, needless to say, like Christianity. And of course the fact that uh, the relationship between servant and Lord is at the forefront um, doesn't exclude um, a dimension of love, as is it, as all too clear in the case of Islam, uh, since the Prophet himself is, is uh, is friend of God, is Habibullah. So, and in Christianity, conversely, we have an emphasis on love, which is not exclusive of servanthood. But at any rate, um, Shion starts with a, a statement in this chapter that um, is highly paradoxical by the Imam uh, Shazili, the founder of the Shazili order. Uh, nothing takes one as much away from God as the desire of union with him. And uh, here we have the word union. And as I said earlier, union points towards unity, but at the same time, in union, there is a sense of direction. So therefore, there is a, we start with two and we go toward one. That's what union means. Unity, by contrast, could be more static, if you wish. Unity is what it is, it's one and it is only one. But union presupposes that you have two, and that these two go in the direction of a unity. Now, what Shion is developing in this chapter is that one must not confuse, in a way, the two. That is, on the one hand, as he shows very clearly, Uh, There is a polarity, there is a basic polarity in any religious and spiritual life, there is a basic polarity which is that between the servant and the Lord. And as I said earlier, this polarity is irreducible, which means simply that the servant can never become the Lord. That's as simple as that. And that's the perspective that Judaism and Islam in their mainstreams emphasize. But. There is another perspective, which is the perspective of the One, capitalized One, and in this particular uh, chapter, Chion um, refers to the One as Self. Of course, he's making uh, use of the uh, Vedantine or advaitin terminology in this respect. He's referring to what Hindus would uh, consider that. So the self is the only self, there are no two selves or three selves. And what is showing very clearly is that in the self or from the perspective of the self, there is no relationship and therefore there is no servant and there is no Lord. So what does it mean for us human beings and particularly for those of us who are engaged in the spiritual path and particularly a spiritual path that is a path of knowledge, that is a spiritual path that is centered on unity. What does it mean? Well, it means simply that there are two different levels of consideration that must not be confused. On the one hand, as Shion explains, um, we can never be other than what we are as servant. Our servanthood, in a sense, is uh, connatural is to our being. And so the idea that, so to speak, the servant could become the Lord is perhaps the greatest possible error, mm-hmm. both metaphysically and spiritually. That's the first relationship. There is another point of view, which is that of unity, as I said, of the Atman. And from that point of view, there is the Self, and the Self is what it is, and only the Self it is what it is, and it is being, consciousness, uh, bliss, as expressed, for example, in Advaita Vedanta. And this self is beyond all dualities and all polarities. I will read here uh, directly from the French, uh, trying to translate literally the text, um, a sentence that crystallizes very clearly. this uh, um, The servant cannot be changed or cannot change into the Lord, but there is something in the servant which can, not without the grace of the Lord, transcend the access servant Lord or subject object and realize the absolute self. So it is quite clear here that that which transcends the axis man-god is not a human reality, it is not a reality that pertains to the servant, but it is only the self which is the immanent, innermost uh, substratum, so to speak, of our reality, but which at the same time transcends the limitations of our individuality. So um, that explains also uh, why, uh, on page three in the in the in the in the chapter, Chion goes on by uh, specifying that it would be totally false to speak of the Lord and the self. So that's another question which is connected to the first one. We have distinguished between the servant and the Lord. Now, the Lord, the Divine Lord, what is the relationship between the Divine Lord and the the Self? Well, here again, there is no relationship in the sense that God is the Self or the Self is God, but considered from a different point of view. God is the Self as objectified, as it were, By the human subject. Hence the duality between the servant and the Lord. The Lord is an object, it's the supreme object of worship, right? So that's why sometimes Shion refers to God as an objectification of the innermost self. But it goes without saying that there is no distinction, there's no essential, intrinsic, real distinction between God and Uh, the self. If we speak, and I quote Shriong again here, if we speak of the self, there is no servant and there is no Lord. There is only the self of which the Lord and the servant, or that which we uh, call thus from a certain point of view, are possible modes. And if we speak of the Lord, there is no self in particular and different from the Lord. The self is the essence of the Lord of the worlds. So it's quite clear that here it's a question of perspective, that it's not a question of nature and it's not a question um, of essence. Now. One very important consequence of, of these distinctions is that um, has to do with uh, the question of vocations, of spiritual vocations. Um, I was referring at the beginning to the distinction between the devotional path and the Jnani path, and a, a point that is raised by Shion toward the end of the chapter is that of knowing Why the servant, why the human servant would seek or would want or would desire anything else or more than that which is its highest desire, that is beatitude, bliss, and happiness. Each of us, we seek happiness in this world and in the other world. Um, You know, that's the basic. Uh, definition, uh, in a way, of uh, Isotelian definition of mankind, not only rational animal, but also seeking happiness. Happiness is, in a sense, the fulfillment of our uh, entelechy, of our being. So why would we seek more than this happiness in the here below, and above all, of course, in the thereafter? Or, which is another way of asking, Why should we be interested, quote-unquote, in the self? And Chion answers this question at the end of the chapter in a very profound and inspiring way. He says, basically, it's not a matter of choice. It's a matter of tendency, intrinsic tendency, and you could say of nature. In other words, we do not choose a particular path. We do not choose a particular perspective. We are chosen by this path or we are chosen by this perspective simply because it corresponds to our needs.
0: Mm-hmm. In
1: a sense, uh, one could even bring into the equation, so to speak, the Buddhist concept of upaya. Huh? Upaya is a, is a means, is a skillful means of attraction to reality. That's the way the Buddha say said, right? So, in a sense, each and every path, whether bhakti or jnani or other, is a sort of upaya. It's something that speaks to us and that calls us because it corresponds to what we are and therefore to what we want. So, the consequence of this is that some of us are predisposed to the way of love by virtue of the. Spiritual constitution, or the Buddhists would say their karmic constitution, perhaps. Others are predisposed to the path of knowledge. And for those who are predisposed to the path of knowledge, uh, what is central, what is essential, is this kind of pool, so to speak, of unity, this pool of the self, this pool of reality with a capital R. That's what interests mostly, not exclusively, but mostly and essentially the person who is on the path of knowledge. So in a certain sense, of course, the person who is on the path of knowledge is not is an individual human being who has need of happiness and, and so on and so forth. Obviously, there's no dehumanization, as Siong put it sometimes. But that is not what is at the very core of his or her uh, vocation. That which is at the core of his vocation is the search, so to speak, or the pool, should I say, search from a human point of view, but from the divine point of view, the pool of the one, the pool of the self. And therefore, there is no uh, reason to raise questions about whether uh, the servant would want more than this or that. No, the, the, it's just a matter of constitution. It's, more, it's simply a, a question of, of tendency. There is something in us that is infinitely greater than us, and that wants to manifest, that wants to realize itself, that wants to um, know itself through us. As Shion put it in this chapter, it is not us who knows the self, but it is rather the self who knows itself through the human being. That's a very, very important distinction. And that's one that bars uh, any kind of pseudo mysticism, you know. This kind of pseudo-mysticism whereby the idea would be that I unite with the Absolute. No, I cannot unite with the Absolute. I can just let the Absolute be through me, or in me, as it were. That's all I can do. But I cannot unite with the Absolute. In a sense, that would be the worst of what Muslims would call shirk, or association. Because that would mean in a certain way that there are two absolutes. Myself and the absolute. Um, so, at any rate, I'm looking at the at the time. Uh, perhaps it might be a good time to pause and to. Um, you may you may want to raise some questions or.
0: Yes, thank you very much, Patrick. That was a an interesting and insightful commentary. Um, a couple of questions that came to mind as you were speaking. Perhaps the first it relates to some of the nuances that we may miss in the English translation uh, of Chouan's original French. and I'm wondering about how it is that that Chouan says in the French this extremely important statement in the middle of page 209 in my edition, the very first page of the chapter, where he says that that the servant cannot change into the lord but there is something in the servant that is capable though not without the lord's grace of surpassing the axis servant lord or subject object and of realizing the absolute self hmm. just wonder if you might read that in the french for us so that hmm. we can both hear the original uh inspiration as it were in, in the language in which it was inspired and then also to ask whether uh, we've captured in the english exactly what Chouan was conveying in the French
1: yes certainly um and I will also include in the reading the um the fact that some words are in um, in quotation mark uh, right. entre, entre um, guillemet L'homme ne peut devenir Dieu, entre guillemets. Le le serviteur ne peut se changer en seigneur, mais il y a quelque chose dans le serviteur qui peut, non sans la grâce du seigneur, dépasser l'axe serviteur-seigneur, entre guillemets, ou sujet-objet, entre guillemets, Et réaliser l'absolu soi entre guillemets. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so we got all of the, the quotation marks, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that the English here, the man cannot become God, that is, is, yes. is a perfect uh, long Literal. look. But where it comes to the servant cannot change into the Lord, I don't think that has has captured the French. Um it, What
1: do you think? It may be uh, the difficulty here is that in French the verb is a is a a, a verb pronominal, a reflexive verb. Se changer en can be translated to change into, but it implies that you are the agent of the change in a sense. That's the way I understand it. Se changer um like a fairy would be able to change to change yourself into another form let's say in a fairy tale so um and i think it's consonant of course with the previous clause uh man cannot become god because uh, becoming god also implies that you are the agent of this uh, mm. becoming so uh, like so that. but but i don't know whether in english uh, there would be a way to to, 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 to introduce this. Well, I,
0: think, uh, I think one could actually uh, more accurately translate the French into the English by saying the servant cannot transform himself into the Lord, yes. because then the active aspect comes through. Mm-hmm. Whereas the simple statement, the servant cannot change into the Lord, implies that, that in a, the servant being the object of some other action, is impossible. Whereas, if you say the servant cannot change himself or mm-hmm. transform himself, then it becomes a complete denial of the agency of the servant to transform himself. And I think so,
1: it's, it's very important what you say because it's also um, consonant with what Shyam um, explains a bit later that there is no there is no way from the servant to the Lord, so to speak, or from or from the servant to the self, also.
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so hence, there is no possibility of changing oneself or transforming oneself into the self. So exactly. it's, it's quite consonant, yes. Yeah. Yes, thank and you.
0: Th- well, the second question I had was um, uh, relating to what Eckhart says and what is quoted here by Shuan about the, the yeah. something uh, in the soul, which is not created and not creatable. And hoc est intellectus, en creatum en increabile. Um, so if this intellect within the soul is uncreated, uncreatable, um, is it exclusively through the intellect that this transcendence of the polarity between servant and Lord, can be
1: realized. Yes, I think that's that's what Chuan uh, states uh, unambiguously in this chapter, that only the self can realize the self. So, in as much as the intellect is not different from the self, it is only through the intellect, and by the intellect, that this self realization can. Can occur. Now that doesn't mean that there cannot be or shouldn't be um, means whereby this self-realization is facilitated um, within the the servant. In other words, uh, the the self can only realize itself uh, in a context which is con- conducive to this self-realization. In other words, anything that would be contrary to a kind of surrender or transparency vis-à-vis the self would prevent self-realization by definition, right? It would be a negation or limitation or superimposition upon the self. So that's why, as you uh, indicated, Reza, in your in your book on um, on Shankara in Arabic, and uh, particularly the, the, the section on Shankara, there is there is a whole Cultivation of virtues, for example, of yogic virtues and moral virtues in Advaita Vedanta, which are considered to be prerequisites for self-knowledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Knowled and, knowledge. How does, yeah. and how would you say this process of intellectual realization of the self uh, harmonizes with what Shuan says here about the impossibility of the realization of the self, apart from the grace of the self. So how does one bring into harmony this intellective process of self-realization and the process by which grace is operative and uh, indispensable for the realization of the self?
1: I think it um, the difficulty lies with the word intellect, perhaps, because there is a the human side to the intellect and there's a divine face to the intellect, as it were. And so from the human point of view, I think what is at stake is what we call in the wider sense meditation or mental meditation in the wider sense of the term that is a kind of reflecting upon the doctrine, upon the teachings which, which facilitates the process precisely of self-realization but from another point of view, uh, the self is free, so to speak. The self cannot be constrained. So uh, no amount of meditation, for instance, is going to produce self-realization. Right? Obviously. Uh, so we are speaking about a facilitating process. Uh, like sometimes you know it's compared to uh, rubbing two, uh, two stones one against the other. And, and then suddenly there's a spark uh, which would be symbolically akin to self-realization. So, um, so, that, so, so, so in other words, the, the intellect here I think is, is like um, the, the word at least, intellect refers to, to, to two different dimensions, so to speak. It's like a kind of barza in a certain sense. you know uh, Today, of course, when we say intellect, we mean, we mean mental men, mental mental activity of some sort. But of course, in Chuons, it refers to something else. It refers to the, the divine ray, the divine light that falls or befalls upon us. And that's why he capitalizes it, as René Guénon used to do it also, of course. Um, so there is the, there's the light, the divine light, and then it, there is this, its reflection upon the mental plane. So, from a certain point of view, it's the same light because there's only one light. But from an open, other point of view, there's obviously a distinction between the two between one is direct and the other is just an indirect reflection.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, You mentioned um, Shankara, and as you're speaking now, it reminded me of one of the key concepts in his uh, perspective, which is abhasa, Mm -hmm. the reflection of the light of the Self within the jivatma, within the small Self and that if there's anything that can, as it were, experience, you know, in in quotation marks, experience the realization of the self, it can only be this ambiguous thing, which is the reflection. It has something of the light of which it's a reflection, but it also is other than the light insofar as it is only a reflection. But that return of the reflection to the source, whence it was projected, is the only thing that you can refer to as this miracle of, of realization that it experiences realization.
1: And it so, is why uh, sorry, yes. Go ahead. And it it is why uh, sometimes Chion would, would, would use the term reabsorption, reabsorption. Yes. reabsorption of the light in the sense of the reabsorption of consciousness. It's a reabsorption of limited consciousness with, within unlimited consciousness or within the source of consciousness. Or pure consciousness
0: right well just continuing for a moment with um with shankara um in relation to this chapter um when we talk about grace and by definition the operation of grace emerges from the personal uh creator the person the personification of The essence, which I think is the way that Shuan here talks about the personal God, I think in footnote. Mm -hmm. uh, footnote footnote footnote, Yes, footnote 11 on page 214 of my edition says the personal God is in fact none other than the personification of the essence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, The question that arises for me here is that if grace arises out of the personal God, and this is the personification of the essence, Mm -hmm. from a kind of strictly Shankarian point of view, the personal God, the personal creator Ishvara, is still within Maya. How can something that is, even if it be the pinnacle of maya, how can something that is in the non-self be responsible for the realization of the self? How can grace from the personal God result in a realization of that which transcends the personal God and therefore the source whence the grace flows?
1: I think it's because um, the term grace must not be restricted to um, an aspect or gift of the personal God, but the term grace can be taken also on a higher level as being a quasi synonym of the self itself. In other words, it's the grace of the self, the, the grace in its in its most essential dimension, grace is and must be of the self and only of the self, right? Mm -hmm. So but on the on the level of the polarity, of course, it appears to come, it appears, quote unquote, yes, (laughs) to come from from the Lord. But it's nothing else, if I can put it that way, than an effulgence, a self-infulgence. but is intrinsic to the very nature of the sense of reality. So the, mm-hmm. I think the problem lies with the fact that when we hear grace in English, uh, and, and actually Shion himself actually writes about you know, the, the grace of the Lord, so it obviously corresponds to a very deep aspect of grace in Christian parlance and in Muslim parlance, grace has to come from God, right? By definition, it's a free gift from God. But I think that in an inviting context, the concept of grace goes in a way beyond this this aspect of Mm. gift. Uh, Mm. And it has to do with the very nature of reality.
0: Yes, thank you. That's really helpful. I was struggling with this question when I was writing the chapter on Shankara. Uh And I think you put it extremely well. Thank you. Um, Also, perhaps one could say that. The act, and this is also a problem, that that we think of grace in terms of an act. Mm. And Shankara says that not even 10 million acts can ever result in knowledge. Um, So if we stop thinking about grace as an act, as a gift coming exclusively from the personal God, and instead we think of the action in question as being more akin to the removal of veils rather than the production of the light, then I think your your answer helps us to at least cognitively realize have a kind of taste of what's really in, in play here and not get caught up in our definitions of grace, personal God, this, that, and the other.
1: Exactly. So and I think you, what you what you said is also can also be applied um to the to the master to the spiritual master to the guru because of course in the vedantic context there's the grace of the guru also uh, which is perhaps even more central um and uh here again uh, it's not um the grace of the guru is the is the self It's the grace of the self you see, inherent because the guru is mm-hmm. self-realization incarnate so to speak right mm-hmm. they are very very helpful um, Um, considerations about this question, uh, the grace of the Self in in Ramana Maharshi, in some of his answers to some of his devotees, he makes this point very, very, very clearly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For example, he says says that, uh, briefly, he says that he was asked uh, whether he had intervened in favor of a particular person by saving him from a particular misery or danger. And he said, no, it's not that way. It's just directing the attention of the self without any particular wish or will or prayer, just by virtue of the self, so to speak, being directed as it were, quote-unquote, in that direction, there is grace. There's a free flow of grace, so to speak.
0: Yes, Yes, this uh, now helps me to see the relevance of Shuan's resolution of that very intractable problem between the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church pertaining to the filioque, Mm -hmm. that the uh, when the Catholics added the filioque to the creed and said that the Holy Spirit emanates both from the Father and from the Son, and the Orthodox say, how on earth can you say such a thing? This is outrageous that you're ruining the the unity of the Godhead and the sole source of both oh. the Spirit and the Son in the Father, oh. uh, and the masterful way in which Shuan says that both can be seen to be correct from different points of view, and that the grace, I think he even uses the word grace, uh, the grace by which the, the Son, that the grace by which the Holy Spirit emanates from the Father and comes into this world is akin to the way in which a a radius can be drawn from the center through the circumference before leaving the circle, as it were, the circle of divinity and entering into the world. So that from a certain point of view, the spirit only proceeds from the father, the center, but in the process of proceeding from the father, it passes through the circumference, which the son constitutes. So that the Roman Catholic uh, formulation can be justified from that point of view. And right. I think that helps us, uh, what you were saying helps us to see the relevance of this, yes. that the grace that emanates from uh, the personal God in assisting the aspirant to realize the self that transcends the personal God can only have issued actually from the self itself. <laughs> and, yeah. Thank you for that. So the, the, another question that occurred to me um, is the relationship between um, the Pactic and the gnanic dimensions. And you said at the beginning that um, the one who aspires to knowledge uh, is the one in whom... I think you use the word the pull. He feels or he or she feels the pull, the magnetic attraction mm-hmm. of the self to something that transcends his or her own individuality. Um, but as regards the distinction between love and knowledge here, could one say that the one who feels this magnetic pull to the self in this intellective process actually is more infused with love than the one who is only feeling the pull of love to the personal God? Mm-hmm. could one say such a thing?
1: yeah i would i would I, I would agree with that, yes, uh, because in a way, what you are describing is the element an ananda ananda, uh, the element bliss, love, joy, right inherent to reality, so in that sense it's 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 love in its most direct <laughs> nature in a sense uh, and that's why also suyuti um, at times you know you I, I don't remember in what in what books and chapters now but you you will recall passages in which he makes the point that knowledge love ultimately the two terms can be interchangeable i mean if you think for example the way in which ibn Arabi defines love it's obviously much more than love as Ordinarily understood in a, in a kind of dualistic uh, dual uh, context, it has to do with the very nature of reality, with the very nature of the real. Um, so um, yeah, so so I would totally agree with this. Yes. So um, and and perhaps I could uh, I don't know there's a sentence uh, which in, is very very relevant to the last minutes of our discussion. Um, and and I, I will read it in French and then translate it as as, as well as I can, literally. Right. Um, um, uh, now, where is it? Maintenant, is it? Oh. it's uh, oh. 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 it's three pages, three pages before the end. Um, right. It's a it's a paragraph that starts with the word uh, now. Maintenant. Now, what is the practical consequence? I it's, see. Yeah. I've yeah. It. yeah. So, in French, it goes as follows. Maintenant, quelle est la conséquence pratique de ces données en ce qui concerne notre finalité spirituelle? La suivante. Si nous considérons l'univers total sous le rapport de la séparativité selon l'axe créateur-créature, il n'y a pas d'union possible. Si ce n'est une union de grâce qui sauvegarde Ou maintient la dualité. Mais si nous considérons l'univers sous le rapport de l'unité d'essence de réalité, donc de l'homogénéité et de l'indivisibilité du soi, l'union est possible puisqu'elle est préexistante et que la séparation n'est qu'une fissure illusoire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, now, what is the practical consequence of this données um, data is probably in not English, a very good translation. In English,
0: we've got, English we've got affirmations.
1: Yes, affirmation. Donne, les, donne, les donne. Uh, uh with respect to our spiritual or in regard to our spiritual finality. The following. If we consider the total universe uh, from the point of view of separativity, Uh, following the axis, or along the axis, rather, creator, creature, there is no possible union. Si ce n'est. If not, a union of, quote, grace that safeguards or maintains duality. But if we consider the universe from the point of view of the unity of essence or reality, therefore, homogeneity and indivisibility of the self, the union is possible, since it is pre-existing and since the separation is only an illusory uh, fissure, fissure, fissure? Yes, same word illusory
0: fissure. Mm.
1: So we see here that there is, um, besides the relationship servant lord and the unity of the self, Chion also considers a union of grace, quote unquote, that safeguards mm. duality. Mm. And In a sense, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Between the two and the one, there's also this two that tends toward unity. Mm -hmm. And that is the union of grace.
0: Thank you very much, Patrick. Um, Could we just finish by looking at the the very final paragraph of the chapter, which um, I find tremendously inspiring, and I've gone back to many, many times in the course of my Thirty-five years of uh, of reading sure. Um and could we ask you to read possibly the, just the French in that, and then I'll read the uh, the translation.
1: The very last paragraph of the chapter.
0: Uh, yeah. It, well, where it begins. Yes. The objection in English. It says the objection mentioned about. Well, we don't need that. Just. It is therefore unreasonable to ask why a given soul, Yes. Or perhaps yes. what I'll do is I'll read, I'll read it in English, and then if you could complete it with All the right. French, that would be a nice way yes. to, right. to Good. complete the Good. session. Good. It is unreasonable to ask why a given soul, possessing the intuition of the essence, tends toward the reality which it senses through the existential darkness. Such a question is devoid of meaning, not only in relation to the naturally supernatural aspirations of the Gnostic, but also on the plane of the affective mystic, where the soul aspires to everything it can conceive above itself and not to anything less. It is obviously absurd to want to impose limits upon knowledge. The retina of the eye Catches the rays of infinitely distant stars. It does so without passion or prétention. And no one has the right or the power to hinder it.
1: Mm. Il est par conséquent déraisonnable de demander pourquoi tel esprit, ayant l'intuition de l'essence, tend vers la réalité qu'il pressent au travers de l'obscurité existentielle. Une semblable question est dépourvue de sens, non seulement par rapport aux aspirations naturellement surnaturelles du gnostique, mais aussi sur le plan de la mystique affective, où l'âme aspire à tout ce qu'elle peut concevoir au-dessus d'elle, et non à moins. Il est de toute évidence absurde de vouloir imposer des limites à la connaissance. La rétine de l'œil, capte les rayons d'Astre infiniment lointain. Elle le fait sans passion ni prétention, et nul n'a le droit ni le pouvoir de l'en empêcher.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you
1: very much. Thank you to both of you. Thank you, Reza. Thank you, Abdu. And um, I, I think I can.